This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. nice to see you. You all look very handsome. You're doing a great job, and you're at the Blockbuster Film School. And why you're at the Blockbuster Film School, you're here to learn about movies and shit, and to hang out with your favorite film professors. Who are your favorite film professors? I think I've met one or two of them. One of them is named Nicholas Souder Earhart. To the surprise of no one, I am my least favorite film professor, but I always enjoy seeing you. What? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Also, super producer Brian Tepps is here. Air horde. Brian, yell. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. He's here. Anyways. Also, you do know that air horns don't actually just shout the phrase air horn, right? Uh, Listen, when I ride on my steamboat that I have, and who are you, by the way? <laughs> Introduce yourself. <laughs> My name is Alex Bonner. There we go. And I'm your other, your other air horn. Air horn. Bah, 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 bah. I am your other fancy pants professor here at the Blockbuster Film School. And we are continuing our episode, the two parter on the awesome upstart modern film studio production house distribution center, wild man mayhem, our pats. Vehicle creating A24. Maybe the best, maybe the one that picked up the torch for Canon into Miramax, into Focus, into a myriad of other upstart film studios, film production houses that are keeping the torch alive of independent cinema being brought to the mainstream. And in my mind, one of the best who ever did it. And so we're going to keep that story going. We left off when A24 did The Unthinkable and they won Best Picture. Um, Something that Orion, for instance, had done before them, but they won it with Moonlight which was an awesome movie. You Wait should. a minute. Where can I find more information about Orion Pictures? <laughs> you know what's crazy is there is a Blockbuster Film School episode. Is that a fact? The, it's my it's my blog. Was, and, was that before I got my... Um, uh-oh. I just fucked up the joke. <laughs> Your lobotomy? No. <laughs> um, well, we are back, though, with A24. It's time. Now we're going to enter the true modern era of A24, up till right Effin now. Some of the best movies put out. Some of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. I think this past year was our most consistent for high quality films. Like if the same year they put out Moonlight, they had a couple of uh what's the word? Turds? They had some turds. Turds in a basket. We talked about it a little bit, something that all of those ones do. We they are also a little bit of a distribution house where they'll go to film festivals and take some shots. They'll take some shots on some stuff, and they themselves did not make those movies. They will, you know... They acquired them cheap. Right. And we're hoping to make a couple bucks. Exactly. And so they then, went up on Amazon Prime. <laughs> a lot and of I, times. I watched them when I <laughs> yes. decided I didn't want to go to therapy. There's a couple that are actually, in my mind, pretty good, but also kind of got panned for certain reasons. It, it's mostly one and that we'll talk about that is a very interesting story, but... Nick, you're more the A24 guy, and so 
That's what my tramp stamp says. <laughs> and I got to say, it's a very sexy tramp stamp. Yes. It's right above the butterfly. A lot of shaving to keep the upkeep. I mean, you got to do what you got to do yeah. to keep sexy, you know? And when you're on the pole, that is not a euphemism for dick. That is simply the industry term for being an exotic dancer, sex worker, like me and Nick. When you're on the pole, you got to make sure that all your tattoos pop and look sexy, you know? That's how it works. We don't have the normal caveat because we already talked about the first A24 movies we've already seen. So more I'm going to ask you, what are some of the movies that kind of stand out to you immediately after that Moonlight win? Because also with what you were saying, this is also when they become A24 where they've got some power, they've got some clout, they've got some cash. Well, two months after Moonlight came out is one of my favorite movies that they put out. It is Mike Mills' 20th Century Women Ooh. with Greta Gerwig, Annette Bening, Elle Fanning, Billy Crudup. This movie, if you remember me talking about Green Room, mm-hmm. where it freaked me out so much that in the middle of it, I had to pause it, get stoned, and make a phone call. All those sound the A movies, I have to stop midway yes. through, to be fair. This had the same reaction, but for the opposite reasons. Mm. I love this movie so much that halfway through I started freaking out by what was on screen. This movie is amazing. I had to stop it, smoked a bowl, smoked a cigarette, and just like could not imagine that this movie was that good. Okay, so Mike Mills wrote and directed this. Yes, he did. And It's about his mother in the 70s and him growing up. Agreed. And check out our Valentine's rom-com episode, but I brought up briefly Beginners, and I'd like to maybe talk about it another time, but Beginners is rad, and that's Mike Mills' other movie. Yeah. That is this super sweethearted, but also very deeper than you think it's going to be emotionally weird, quote unquote, rom-com, but is wild stuff. He made Thumbsucker. I don't know if you ever saw that. I did. Yeah. I wasn't a fan. No, but to be fair, I mean, it was like his first real movie. I mean, this is Mike Mills kind of became a different thing, but 20th century women. You know what's crazy is I've never seen it. Like, I was going through the list of A24 movies, and the vast majority of them I have seen. But this one, I'm kind of, I'm slapping myself in the face right now. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm slap. oh, it's happening. I'm, sl- there's so much slapping. <laughs> and I'm extremely turned on by it due to a slap fetish that I have. But what I'm saying is, is that I am interested on your take so would you watch this again? Would you recommend? I've watched it several times since. Right. There's a fantastic scene. They usually make people watch where they're at a dinner table and at a dinner party and they're at the table. And Greta Gerwig's character is just out of it. And then she goes, oh, I got my period today. And then Annette Benning, awesome. who has all these, basically she, the whole story is Annette Benning has these people who are sort of living in her house watching after her son because she wants to just find out what he's like in the real world, but also she wants help raising him. So this is just California in general. More or less. (laughs) So she's very different from Greta Gerwig's character. So she is upset that she did this. So Greta Gerwig literally makes every person at the table say menstruation. And then they all say menstruation together. (laughs) It is one of the funniest scenes in film in the last decade. All right, dig it. I will definitely watch yeah. the shit out of this movie. Also, this movie is 
profoundly heartbreaking at times. Uh, yeah. Mike Mills. I mean, yeah. honestly, beginners as well. Maybe secretly Ewan McGregor's best movie, like in terms of depth and being funny and charming, but also dramatic and weird and being a dildo. I mean, being able to. Also, uh, is this one of these, one of the many Ewan McGregor movies where he shows his dick? In Beginners, I don't think so, but maybe. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't it's not quite that kind of movie, and I don't remember. My only a, person in the room I who has rem- that list going. I would remember that scene. I would okay. remember, because in it's episode two, uh, Attack of the Clones, where he pulls his penis out, and he just starts to say, this is better than CGI, better than CGI. And then they, they, they pull him off, you know, they, they drag him off screen, and that's the last you ever see of him. But it's interesting to me that Greta Gerwig already is becoming this A24 sort of character in this, and she will, we'll talk about some of the Greta Gerwig stuff, but also that her husband, Noah Baumbach, her partner, her partner, excuse me, her boyfriend to husband, now, have you seen Mirowitz stories? No. Okay. I have a sneaky suspicion that there's a character in Mirowitz stories that is based on Greta Gerwig, who is about this super awesome film school woman who is the daughter, quote unquote, of Adam Sandler in that movie, who makes these crazy sort of like sexy, but also hilarious, weird movies, and it freaks out her entire family. <laughs> and I swear to God, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> in Mirowitz stories, he's making a weird character out of his much younger girlfriend to wife and how awesome she is at making movies that are both sexy and funny and insane. But anyways, so what's next on the A24 docket? So we're going to keep this leaner than the first episode. Let's do it, baby. Yeah. So we talked about this before. I don't know if you saw Free Fire. Do you see Free Fire? That's that one about forest fires that Howie Long is Howie in. Long, yeah. yeah. The paratrooping yeah. movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> no, this is almost as interesting as that. <laughs> this entire movie is a shootout. Mm. Takes place in a like a warehouse. It's not very funny. It's not very exciting, but it's somehow very watchable because the actors in it are all very charismatic because you have Killian Murphy, you have Army, Army Strong. Ooh, Army. Army. Army Hammer? Army Hammer. Sorry. sorry. Not Army Strong. Army Hammer. It's a dumb name either way. I know. And he, I know. Yeah. He's not like Cahill who secretly has talent or some of these guys. <laughs> he may have zero talent. I don't know. He's not, he's not that bad. I've yet to see an Army Hammer movie where he surprised me with kind of how good he is. Where Did I've you seen see that- Call Me By Your Name? I have not. He's really good in that. Okay. I buy that. He also has a pretty fantastic cameo in- What's that Boots Rally movie? Sorry to bother you. Oh, yeah. yeah no, he is the fucking dick in that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You know what? He is good in that movie. Yeah. He, okay. All right. Fair. Fair. I'm not bashing. Army, I apologize. I'm sorry about the Lone Ranger. That was not your fault. Uh, was he in that? That he was the Lone Ranger. And Disney- Brian, cut out all this. No, but no, but Disney did that to I mean- to be fair, you get a big, giant, $300 million budget Disney movie. You think it's going to be Pirates of the Caribbean. You think, I'm set, man. I'm good to go. And it's literally the other way that you have kind of screwed your career. You have totally screwed yourself by being in this. 
<laughs> I mean, you he's should. rebounded. He's fine. Oh, I know. Yeah. But nobody's putting him in as the lead of a $300 million movie. In no, 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 no. That's not his wheelhouse. <laughs> no. But yeah, Free Fire is basically one long shootout. Captain Marvel's in it. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people in it. If you have. Interesting. Yeah. If you have time to kill and something to watch, watch yeah. this. Okay. All right. But the next movie that's actually amazing from them, it's A Ghost Story. Hell yeah. Yeah. I watched it when I was living in LA, and I don't know exactly how I feel about it, to tell you the truth. I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy it and I didn't watch all of it, but it has Baby Affleck in it. And Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara, yeah. And it's, how to put this, it's a very A24 movie. It's super A24 movie. <laughs> it's a very, it's about a ghost. It's like if it came from A24 University. You know what it reminded me of? And this goes with our rom-com episode. It's like if you made a movie that followed Tom Hanks's wife in Sleepless in Seattle, right? Where, spoiler alert for Sleepless in Seattle, but Sleepless in Seattle, there's a scene where Tom Hanks's wife comes back to him as a ghost, right? And is basically like, you should do something else or something. And she like gives him a weird foot tug or something. I don't know exactly how it worked, but it's... Wait, a foot, yeah, foot tug or foot job? Not quite a foot job, but she, the whole thing was she messes with his foot. She would always mess with his foot, right? And then he wakes up out of a dream thinking, what the hell is happening? And then his ghost wife is fucking standing there, right? And she's like, you should fuck me, Brian. He's like, who's that? She's, <laughs> And then she just throws on a smoke bomb and disappears. No, but what I'm saying is that they basically took a trope where the dead husband or the dead wife disappears and is a part of the story and you don't follow that character anymore. You don't, that character's not there. They do the reverse though, where it's like the movie ghost. If the ghost was totally cool (laughs) with everything and just wanted to make sure everybody was okay and everything was going cool and it's still heartbreaking. It's still painful to watch. But it's kind of fun. I don't. What do you think? What do you think of a ghost story? I would not use the word fun at all. I had a little fun. Uh, a couple parts were fun. They're Canadians. David Lowry is a Canadian who made it. But yes, I not know everything you, they do is fun. No, but they love fun. They're okay. f- they're fun people. I thought it was an exceptionally well made movie. I like the weird aspect ratio. I thought all the performances were good. Everything they tried to put across came across. I like the weird little twist ending. Yeah, about how there is a cool. Yeah, the time aspect of everything. But this is one of those A24 movies where I watch it. I went, wow, that was amazing. And I'll never watch again. Agreed. I also watched it like I was in a weird moment in my own life. And it definitely, there was a moment where I came out of the theater with my buddy who I was living with in L.A. And he was like, you're crying. And I was like, no, I'm not. And I was like, I had tears running down my face. And I was like, no, I just, I'm fine. I'm fine. He was like, you're crying. Which is a very L.A. thing to just point out like. Yeah. You're crying. Like, well, people do that here, but mostly it was just, um, for me, it was after Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> oh, sure. Every time I watch Mad Max Fury Road, I cry. I, no joke, you've seen me. I cried, like, I'm going to say four or five times in Avengers Endgame. Like, and I still, when I see it, have to tell myself, now don't cry. Don't do it. 
And then stupid ass Tom Holland swings down and is like, Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark. Like, it's not, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. And then I just start and it's upsetting. It's upsetting. What's next? Let's, let's. No, stay on this. Okay. Stay on Avengers. Tell Endgame. me how Spider-Man makes you cry. I love Tom Holland. I love him, honestly, as an actor. I liked him in a lot of stuff like The Lost City of Z, which has our pats who we will get into actually mm. the next movie has our pats uh there's some a24 movies with our pats in them we already talked about the rover the last episode i know but this is when they come into the our pats golden age in my mind of a24 where our pats is in the old studio system way of how there would be actors who would be you know john wayne with 20th century fox these actors who were the ones who ran the show and in doubt when you made a movie, you would take this guy and put him in it and he would crush it. Not to say that John Wayne would, but our pets does. He definitely does. Our pets, as much as I love Leo, as much as I love a lot of fucking awesome actors running around right now, I think our pets might be maybe at the absolute most badass peak of his career. I'm extremely excited for the Batman and not from like a comic book nerddom. I just, the idea of our pats wanting to do this, wanting to take this on, I think it's fucking cool. Well, what's the next then? Now that you hinted at our patsness. By the way, Robert Pattinson is who we're talking about. If not, everybody is still oh, on the Twilight oh, lingo. Okay, all right. This is I'm allowed to say it. That's fair. Uh, just so you guys know, if you don't know, if you've only believed that our pats is a kind of like handsome vampire boy from the Twilight movies. You are incorrect. He is an amazing actor. He is an amazing He's one of the actor. best working actors. He really is. Today. It's preposterous how good he is. There is not a movie outside of those Twilight movies where he doesn't play the most distinctly different character. Every single character has its own logic, has its own mannerisms, has its own way of speaking. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, I would maybe even say like, to me, kind of in that way of Daniel Day-Lewis or somebody like that who has this full, bizarre, chameleon kind of thing going on. I don't know. Real fast, I like how Brian yeah. is in, like, full the conversation mode oh, right absolutely. now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He put his cans on. Yeah. Yeah. It's straight up Gene Hackman right now. Mm-hmm. But Francis is hopefully young Gene Hackman. That's true. Also, yeah. he's, like, got the DJ thing going. He put one part put of one the headphones part on. on, and then it's like... <laughs> he's just dropping the bass. <laughs> he's scratching the record. Wick, 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 wick. Brian's cutting this. Brian's yeah. cutting all of this. He Those is are... he is scratching um mm. with teeth though that Nine Inch Nails album, so mm. it's okay. I would listen to that. Since we started recording with Brian, I've been listening to I would say five hundred percent more Nine Inch Nails. I hope you include some of this before. because if we're gushing on Brian, super producer tips, yeah. this show sounds way better than it should. It is edited. Oh yeah, fucking amazingly. <laughs> Blockbuster Film School is secretly run by. Super Professor Brian Taps, just so everybody He's knows. Dumbledore. No, that's true. Is Dumbledore the one in charge? Yeah, he's the one who didn't die like a sucker when fucking goddamn Voldemort. Spoilers! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler I've all. Never, I've only seen the third one. Listen, I'm just telling you, also spoilers that fucking Neville is really who's fucking the badass who actually stands up to Voldemort. Harry Potter and the redhead are fucking running away. Anyways, anyways... So, yeah, we're talking about Good Time, mm-hmm. directed by the Savdi brothers. This movie is in my oh, top of man. the decade. I love this movie. I saw this at midnight. The day it came out, I did a double. I did a double the next day. It's never been so worth it to be exhausted at work 
because of an amazing movie like this. I agree with you, but I have a slightly different take on the Safdie brothers. It is not a bad take, but every Safdie brothers movie I've ever watched, I have had to wait to watch on prime or rent because I know how powerful their shit is and I have to pause it and I have to wait a while and process. It is that good. I I, I know. I think I, you need to go see Uncut Gems. I know it's not a theaters now while this is being aired, but that they, movie is they love to punch profoundly. You. It's good. It's great. uncomfortable. That's what I mean. I love that. that though. What I mean. I know they love to punch you in the teeth. They love to do it, and they do. Their movies are teeth punches. If I have ever heard of them, it's not like Scorsese who he pulls back on it. He slides in. You don't even know that these terrible emotional things are happening to you because he's sliding you in so comfortably with comedy and the world and it's fun and it's, it's fun. It's fun. And then it gets bad. No, 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 no. Every Safdie brothers movie, you enter a world that you've never been in before. And it's got teeth bunch like the beginning the beginning of good time is hard to watch with the weird brother having to talk to a therapist and then our pats appearing like rip that shit up. Oh God. Here's the Shame thing on you. Shame on you. The- Softy brothers films are fun. They yeah, are uncomfortable. Right. They are right. nonstop. They are punching mm-hmm. your teeth out and then yep. making you swallow the teeth. Yep. But they're fun. I agree. I will also make an argument that they're kind of like horror movies in this way where once you've watched them once and you know where all the terrible shit is and you know how it works, then you can go back and watch them again and really enjoy the shit out of them. Yeah, I saw Good Time three times in theaters, including twice at the Music Box on 35mm, and it was in the small theater. The ending of Good Time is fucking preposterous. It is bizarre. Like... How they made that work emotionally with those characters and everything kind of flowed together and became that ending. I have no idea how they pulled that off. I have no idea how it became that. I mean, I understand how maybe you could have thought of that, but I don't really. Okay, spoiler alert. What's the ending of Good Time, Nick? I don't think we should spoil anything. Oh, come on. Like a general, you know what I'm saying? General thing is that Connie gets what he deserves. Yeah. And everyone else who is with him, they basically get the worst thing that could happen to them. Right. But you love this guy and you followed him the entire... Uh. You do. He's charismatic. And he, the other guy he even falls in with, who he accidentally steals the wrong guy from a fucking hospital. He is such <laughs> he a fuck up. <laughs> yeah. That guy is charismatic. And you watch him, like this montage of him getting out of jail, yeah. winding up in a coma... The colors in this movie, everything, everything uh, is in this film. I'll say this with the Safety Brothers, like they make a sort of Hollywood style movie in terms of their production value. Their production value appears to be like absurdly, I'd even say like Spielberg sort of level in terms of colors and costumes and set production. It is amazing. It looks like a hundred million dollar movie, but That's not the story they're going to tell. They're going to tell the story of the weird random guys who are somewhere deep in the Spielberg movie and the horrible or slightly poetically perfect shit that happens to them. I, 
I have my own beef. I know this is also why we have the Blockbuster Film School, but you know me and things where shit happens to tragic characters and it hurts my heart and it makes me feel pain and I enjoy it, but I also, I don't watch it as many times as you do. I'm not... I don't think it was a fair judgment Maybe with the Safety Brothers exclusive, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Good Time has a happy ending. Kinda. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. it does. It does. Yeah. The amazing thing about this movie is that our Pats was on imb.com mm-hmm. and he just saw a ad for the Safety Brothers previous film and then got their email, sent them an email saying, no, really, this is Robert Pattinson. I feel connected to the image in this movie. Let's write yes. a movie. Yes. And they started exchanging emails in character as these characters. Yes. And that's how they all developed. I, and then the Safety brothers had him go to New York amazing. and work in Queens at a car wash. So he could prove he could be this other character. So they literally did pre-production character buildup for a year yeah. before they filmed anything. Clearly, like lost a shitload of weight. He clearly like looks fucking deranged. Like we'll get into more and more R Pats. I like Good Time a lot, but there are some R Pats A24 that I would rather gush over because all I'm saying is there's some A24 R Pat stuff that is more just my own personal taste, not a bash. You know what I'm saying? That's all I was saying. I didn't mean it in some sort of terrible way. It just, you like some stuff that has like weird, uncomfortable elements in it that I personally find sort of jarring and not like that I find them to be bad or unskilled. When I see uncomfortable elements in movies, it makes me uncomfortable and then I feel weird because deep inside, I am a little wiener boy. Okay. All right. What's next on this list? Well, speaking of uncomfortable moments, the Florida Project. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, uh, he'll work with A24 a couple of times as well. Um, it's about Florida. It's about how it's the penis of America. I mean, that's kind of what it's about. I mean, look, I was born in Florida. I am a secret Florida man, even though I am a Chicagoan. I watched the Florida Project while I was about six or seven White Claws deep. I don't really remember a lot of it. I kind of don't care. And this is what happens after you get tenure. (laughs) What do you think of the Florida Project, Nick? Well, after you called me a monster repeatedly, I have... That's not true. Hold on, hold on. That's not true. After you called me a monster repeatedly, Uh, I have... Frankenstein is a handsome boy, okay? Frankenstein is the doctor. Anyways, thank you. I haven't watched the Florida Project because I've cried during the trailer every time I watched it. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, A24... I appreciate that they are doing this. I appreciate that they are doing true drama stuff. They are doing stuff that is insanely powerful that you never know what notes it's going to hit because they are doing Elliott Smith chords. They're playing wild shit that sounds like pop music, but it's not. It's not. It's way deeper than that. And that's all I was saying was that I'm not calling you a monster. I appreciate very much that your taste goes with some of these things that I myself have trouble watching. And that's all I meant. It was more of a compliment. I just didn't really have a way of expressing it until I just took that huge shot of mescaline. So anyway, I think we can pass over the Florida Project. So if you want to watch the Florida Project, it's about Florida. It's about Disney World. It's about dirtbags in Florida. 
fucking up their lives, trying to put them together. Willem Dafoe is cool. There's a lot of really big skies with big fluffy clouds in them. Palm trees, shorts, mayhem. Florida. (laughs) Next up. Yes. This was released two weeks after the Florida Project, but couldn't be completely different. It is the other movie that A24 put out by Yorgos Lanthimos, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Holy fuck. Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, Barry Cogan. It's also a romantic comedy. Actually, I think this is one of the most underrated comedies of all time. Like, this is the darkest comedy ever made. Your ghost loves to make dark, dark, dark comedies. I saw this in Logan Theater, and there's a scene towards the end where Colin Farrell has a blindfold on, Mm. and he's spinning around in a circle with a rifle. And I was so fucking uncomfortable, my body wouldn't stop moving, so I actually got up, moved two seats over, and sat back down just so I could feel a little different. (sighs) I love this movie. I, I like The Favorite a lot. Oh, the favorite's amazing. I like your ghost. I do. He's an incredibly skilled filmmaker. The lobster, this, this shit also (laughs) made me feel super weird. Super weird. I've said before, I'm not the biggest fan of Colin Farrell. I'm not. Personally. No, that's not true. Not the word personally. Colin, you might be a very nice guy. I have no real beef with you in real life. um, Other than your dirty Irishness. Okay, you're a dirty, dirty people who steal. Anyway, but I felt very weird watching this movie. It's kind of like Funny Games, but if Funny Games didn't get all sadistic and sexy and insane, it just got weirder and weirder and weirder. Like, Nicole Kidman's pretty sexy in this, and well, that's fair. I mean, he gets she a little is. sadistic. Oh, sure. No, it definitely does. Yeah. But you know what I mean, though? It's not as self-aware as funny mm -hmm. games. That's what I mean. This is just nonstop. You have a hundred minutes of one tone. Right. And it doesn't quit. And it is in your face. That's kind of his movies. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I appreciate what he's doing. But it's prog rock, you know? And you're either into it or you're not. You know, there's that element with, which I will say the favorite though was very impressive to me because it wasn't that it was still him, but the first movie he directed that he didn't write the screenplay for That's the big interesting. Okay. That's very interesting. I didn't catch that. That's fair. I like that idea of him doing that then because him bringing his weirdness to somebody else's plots and dialogue. That's very interesting because I feel like, man, the uncomfortability in the lobster and in killing of a sacred deer is, and this is also a compliment. It's next level. It is. Holy shit. If you like weird dramas that are sort of comedic and dangerous and like you said, have a touch of the oh sexy, you know, then your ghost is your guy. Are we pronouncing his name right? He's not here. So yes. Yeah. Your ghost, Euros. Eh, a little off track there. Sandwich with tzatziki sauce. <laughs> so do you like Killing of a Sacred Deer? I love this movie. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I, I've watched it repeatedly. I think each time 
to quote Beetlejuice talking about The Exorcist, it gets funnier every time I watch it. This is what I mean, though. Like, I love this about you. This is what I'm saying. Our ghoulishness has an interesting yin and yang in which I do actually watch horror movies over and over again. And so they, do I. I know you do, but it's like... I will watch like the dumbest, goofiest horror movies like over and over again and just start finding the goofiest, funniest shit in them. And people are like, you're a fucking ghoul. You think that we, there are people who are literally frightened of like Nightmare on Elm Street part four. And like, this isn't scary at all. Nothing about this is scary. And there are people who are horrified of these things. Their existence horrifies them. And I know I'm damaged inside. But for some reason... Your ghost's movies actually get at my damage. They actually freak me. You know what I'm saying? That's the point I'm kind of putting out there is that, and I'll watch it. Of course I'll watch it and pretend that I'm not scared and freaked out. Pretend that it doesn't disturb me deeply, deeply down to my core. But Alex, you need to just embrace being uncomfortable for that long. I like, I like you have to, I like your theory of embracing uncomfortability in your movie watching experience because it is for me, I am a bit of an escapist with my movies and just, it's part of my personality. I enjoy the escapism of movies. And so when movies begin to force uncomfortability into my life, I will watch them. I'll watch them. I'll finish them. I'll think about them. But the word enjoyment is not really the thing that jumps out at me. I embrace the uncomfortableness. I know you do. I also I enjoy it. the escapism. Yeah. But after these movies, when you go back to reality, you feel better. This is Because you're true. just back in your life. This is very And true. Colin Farrell isn't pointing a gun at your head no. going, you're the one. Well, it's different. He is. But, but that's because, you know, gambling debts. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and also, everybody knows the best Nightmare on Elm Street sequel is Dream Warriors. Right. No, you're absolutely... Dream Warriors is the best sequel. Yeah. Although I have a I have a soft spot for the new nightmare because it starts to get meta and it gets weird and Wes Wes was finally back and he was that's a whole thing we'll talk about it. that's a different thing. Also, Colin Farrell, Black Irish, not to be trusted. Uh, is that racist uh, against Irish people with black hair? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, thanks to my comment, now all of it's getting cut. So, there you go. Oh, come on. Oh, no. Don't make fun of brunettes in Ireland. Oh, I didn't know no. you were going with that. Oh, okay. You ever heard that term? The black I've Irish who are, who are ostensibly from like a thousand years ago maybe have some Roman blood. And that like in Ireland, they're like the black Irish. Are not to be Literally, if you take a bunch of white people and you put them on an island, they'll find some people to be racist against. They'll be like, he's got weird ears. The weird ears are the problem. Like, sure. Yes. That's a real thing in Ireland, the black Irish. I'm not surprised. I'm yeah. surprised the, <laughs> the Irish court. aren't going down. To, oh, he's got brown eyes. Yes. But they love Phil Lynott. Like, it's weird. Like, Irish people are not really upset at, like, actual black people. They're just mad at other Irish people who have dark hair and eyebrows. That's who they're upset at. <laughs> Anyways, what's next? What's next on the docket? Next up is Lady Bird. Oh, dope. Yeah. And then Greta. Greta. Greta gets her movie. Gets her real movie, which is fabulous. And is so 2002 that it started to freak me out. 
because that's when I graduated from high school. And when they started to say that it was in 2002 and they're seniors in high school and they're pretending they don't like that one Dave Matthews band song, but it's there and it starts to infect your memories. And then you start to like it because you like the memory. Like I love Greta's writing is what I'm saying. I love the stuff that she does. The acting in that movie is dope. The oh, everyone's amazing in this. Mm. It's like, in my personal opinion, it is a perfect film. Mm. Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf's amazing. Tracy Letts. Yes. Saoirse Ronan. Yes. The other Jonah Hill. Mm. True. And also Chalamet's in this. Absolutely. And it's such a simple story. It's a John Hughes kind of story. There's definitely John Hughes' influence of that sort of genre that he created of an actually poetic, funny element of your high school experience being something that people might actually want to watch in a movie. And I adored it. I really did. I thought it was amazing. And I know at the end it's about someone going to NYU. Spoiler alert. And I still think that if you watch it, no matter how old you are, you'll, you'll connect really heavily into it. It goes beyond a lot of stuff about just being high school. Right. And the things in there about... The economy, and I've literally heard my parents in high school tell me, which is a line that Tracy Letts has, oh, we can't afford to get divorced. When she jumps out of the car. I mean. That's uh, amazing. (laughs) Also, a dude came into the restaurant. Yes. And he had a pink cast. And I go, can I sign that? He goes, sure, dude. And he hands me a Sharpie. And I wrote, vote for Lady Bird. And he goes, what's that from? Like, you haven't seen Lady Bird yet? I'm like, oh, you need to go see that. Otherwise, I'm just some asshole who ruined your cast. Yes. Um, Super interesting is that. She co-wrote Francis Ha with mm-hmm. Noah Baumbach, who directed it. There's a brief montage segment in bit there. was on the original script a lot during it. What was? Their makeout spit. Yes. <laughs> Actually, Noah Baumbach doesn't have any spit. He got rid of those glands <laughs> so he'd be more pretentious he in New York. He just says, we're making out now. Yeah. And then they don't actually do it. He just said that that's happening. Yeah. And then you have to register that that's occurring. And then Greta Gerwig, like, pets his hair. Right. Um, <laughs> and then but- he rips off a Pink Floyd song. So in Francis Ha, there's like 90 seconds of her. It just says Santa Monica. Yeah. And she goes to L.A. and she has a little family scene and she comes back. To Sacramento. Originally, Sacramento, yeah. yeah. Originally, though, she had written 45 pages to go into that segment of the script. And he goes, I think you need to write a movie <laughs> about growing up because this is too much. It's also so like the argument scenes. It's all so real. It's so real. And also, but see, this is what I'm saying, though. This is when the stuff that A24 does that I truly love, that this kind of movie could be made, and this has a level of uncomfortability that is not really uncomfortable. It's real. It is your life. It is not someone trying to do a single white female into your life to drive you insane, to kill things. Like, you know, it's not your weird moron brother and your psycho brother try to rob a bank and save each other, but they can't save anything because they're fucking out of their minds, both of them. This is a real story about a life that you could be in that you actually have sort of lived a piece of, and Greta Gerwig hit this nerve, this baseline that everyone has lived, and it's fabulous. It really is. It's, of the ones we've talked about so far, the one that I genuinely just, I could watch, Ladybird over and over again. It's book smart if it was less funny. I don't like that comparison at all. <laughs> I, I just did it. All. I just did it to upset you. I only. <laughs> I really don't like 
being just... trolled so much in this episode. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you shit because I like A24 a lot, but you know more about A24 than I do. And I, I don't know, Lady Bird's thoughts. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious about yours though. I honestly am. I really am. Like, I love every part of this movie. I saw it in theaters like four times. I pre-ordered the I saw it twice. DVD. Yeah. I think every character in this is fully fleshed out. They come across like a real family. Aaron Rose and I saw this the same week we saw My Friend Dahmer, and these could not be two separate. My Friend Dahmer sucks. My Friend Dahmer does suck. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable, but like these are two very different high school senior stories. Oh. <laughs> that was what I was getting at. No, this is one of those movies where you connect with every character in it mm. on multiple different levels. Agreed. As uh, I grew up a teenage lesbian, yeah. so the fact that she had Sleater Kinney and Bikini Kill, mm. just the CD jacket, she mm. couldn't afford the poster. She just had the CD jackets pinned to the wall, which is shit that I, I have. A, Everybody has CD yeah. jackets. Everybody had that. You pulled out, is this it, and had, you know, the strokes yeah. and some boy faces. You know, you just you just did it. Like, Fabrizio. Anyway, I agree entirely. And it has that weird dynamic where I had weird conversations with my mom in high school. And I also had sisters who I overheard this argument with my sister and my dad, you know, like it's there, it's real. And capturing a kind of generational voice is also, that was kind of the thing to me that made the John Hughes Ostensibly, those are the only two John Hughes comparisons I made was the high school thing, but also the sort of capturing a generational voice and really making it there. And I feel like it's interesting that her and Bombach teamed up like just artistically, if nothing else, because they are also kind of like that. They capture moments in time and they crystallize them and they make them appear on screen and you can relate to them. I mean, the squid and the whale is if you graduated from high school in 1997. You know what I'm saying? It's this very weird sort of exactly this moment and it will never be this moment. It will never not, but here it is, but it's also everyone's moment. I don't know how to put it. I love Lady Bird. I really do. The scene where Laurie Metcalf leaves the fucking airport and then drives back. Yes. Is tremendously heartbreaking. Yes. And I've cried every single time I've watched it. It's amazing. Also, when you pull that off, right, about how weird your relationships are with your parents and your relationships with your own family members and that you truly love them deep down inside, like, to your fucking core, but they piss you off more than anyone else in the history of the world. It's like, it's hard to pull that off on screen. It's hard to make that appear on screen with both of those elements occurring at the exact same fucking time. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. So they literally just go from you're infuriating me to, oh, my God, I love this dress. Yes. Within the same breath. Within the same breath. The original title of this was Mothers and Daughters, and it was 300-page script. Mm. So she knew exactly what she was going for. He's like, there's more feet. You need more feet in this. (laughs) And I'm ignoring that the best I can. They should have a scene instead of trying to dress. They should try sandals on. God fucking damn it. God fucking damn it. I don't know. Do you have anything to say about disaster artists? I don't really give a shit. The room, we love it. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. You're my favorite customer. The room is a movie so stupid. If you've never seen The Room, we'll never do a room episode. Tommy Wiseau is a weird bizarre character in the history of film. He will always exist because he made the funniest movie that ever made that he was not intentionally trying to make as funny. It is the craziest, dumbest thing that anyone's ever made. 
And because of that, literally James Franco and a bunch of people tried to then capture that. It's pathetic that they made that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's barely a movie. It's upsetting that they made that. And also, it kind of ruins the room. No, not at all. It just ruins. I, it ruins the legacy of the room. Maybe not ruins it. Ruins. Um, <laughs> if you're from New York, it ruins the movie. Anyway, it is a dumb movie about the making of the room starring James Franco and Paul Shear. I will admit this. I love Paul Shear. And how did this get made? Had a part in this because their episode, shout out to them, about the room is amazing. But just watch the room. Yeah, there's no reason to see. Don't watch yeah. that. Go watch The Room. Do it now. If you've never seen The Room, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. I'm sure it's on Amazon or somewhere. Watch it. It will blow your mind how much yeah. you're laughing your balls off. He if, sold me a pair of his underwear. I adore that. I met him one time. He was very nice, but he was also weird. And if you don't understand postmodern things, if you can't laugh at things that are so terrible they are funny, then don't watch it. You are dead inside. I apologize that you voted for Trump. But what I'm saying is that if you can laugh at things, then you watch the room and it will delight you. It will light up your life. It will light up your life for the rest of your stupid ass life. I like to watch. It's amazing. The room is amazing. Watch that. Did you see First Reformed? That's uh, Ethan Hawke. In the Paul oh, Schrader movie. where he is a priest. Yes. And he got nominated for... Everything. Mm-hmm. For n- and he's like, I'm a good priest who doesn't put my uh, finger in little boys' buttholes or something. I don't remember exactly how it works. I thought that movie was just dog shit. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible. Any movie that's about, like, trying to, like, talk about how, like, Catholicism is cool. I don't know. I, I don't think that was the point. It wasn't the point, but there was elements. There was elements. I'm a priest. I'm conflicted. It's like, who gives a shit? You're yeah. a wiener. <laughs> this movie sucks. Are you ready? You're going to get real uncomfortable now. Let's do it, baby. Hereditary. <laughs> Fucking Ari. Our guy. We will talk about him again. Fuck yes, is what I'm going to say. Horror movie nerd. I went on a date with a person who I don't even talk to anymore. I went on a date to see that. She tried to ask me questions during it. I literally leaned over and I was like, please stop talking during this. I'm watching this. (laughs) And all I'm saying is, it's scary as fuck. It's good. But also about midway through, you could tell because I love Ari. I love the way he makes movies. He scares you in the beginning, but then once you realize what's going on, there was a very distinct thing happening in the movie theater. I saw it the opening weekend it came out. Some people kept gasping. Some people kept getting more, like, you could feel tension, but then some people started laughing like me. And not laughing, like, at it, like, when the naked demon just appears. There's something funny about it, but, like, in this sick fucking satanic like oh the whole world is a joke don't you understand everything's a joke your whole it's the opposite of ladybird in this weird way where all your family dynamics don't mean dick the whole world's insane everything's insane other dimensions are at play what the fuck are you talking about bro all right sorry i will pull back what are your thoughts on hereditary nick i believe it is a wonderful movie i agree exceptionally skilled, exceptionally timed. Everything works. All the pieces work. 
it's a horror movie, but it's um it's a family drama. It's a family drama. It's also it's also about how everything in your life might be a lie if your grandma is in a satanic cult. She might have secretly been fucking with you the entire time, you dummies. And who knows? Maybe when you feel down, maybe when you feel sad and hurt about yourself, maybe you secretly are a duke of hell. And when Satan returns, you will have a place at his side. It's hereditary. Also, ants. Those are CGI ants in that movie. You know that? They look really good. I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. I do. They look like ants. They do look like ants. CGI ants. Watch hereditary. I don't want to go too deep into it. I mean, it's a movie about a family that has a loss because their youngest kid dies, but they die weird mm. because the kid is weird. And then it's you just like, gave away the best part. You don't want to spoil it, though. OK. All right. Fine. It's finally one of the ones that I actually like love. Like I like Lady Bird a lot. I do. But I love Hereditary. I like Ari a lot. I like both of his movies. I dig whatever the fuck this weirdo thinks is funny. Slash, he's trying to punch you right in the, like, it's on the teeth. It's more like a Charlie horse. Like, wake up, fucker. It's time to watch Hereditary. It's like a little backhand slap mm-hmm. to the crotch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little little nut flick. Yeah. Like, welcome. Or clit flick. If you will. Yes, whatever yeah. genitalia you're rocking. It is a... Or none. Yeah, that's what I was saying, Charlie horse. It's a wake up. It's not... It's well, not I mean, a, some people just don't have anything to there. I can punch you in the thigh and you'll wake up. I don't care what gender you're rocking. But it's not evil. No, I guess not. I don't know. I've never punched anyone in the thigh. What childhood did you have? Really? I guess so. You never got punched in the thigh. You never got Charlie Horst? I've got hit all... I've got Charlie Horst. Oh, yeah. I've got hit all over. I said I never punched anyone in the thigh. Okay. It's a little different. Yeah. You never Charlie Horst anyone like the arm? Never... No? Is that Charlie Horse? Or just it's both. It's the like arm? It's a, the thigh or the arm is when you Charlie Horse someone, you kind of like extend one of your knuckles and you just sort oh, of like, no, I never done you kind of like whack no. them in the bone. You're like, ow! And they're like, <laughs> wake up, fuckhead. Let's watch Hereditary. Like, no, I've never done that. No? No. I love you. That's adorable. I love That's, you. I don't know why you're going around hitting everybody, though. I, I have not done it since I uh, had to start paying taxes. Fair enough. But I agree. See Hereditary as soon as possible. Did you see Eighth Grade? That's the movie about Eighth Grade. <laughs> okay, so then you brought up Mid-90s before. I haven't yes. seen it. Uh, Mid-90s is Jonah Hill doing a Linklater impression. I actually kind of enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was fabulous. It's about skateboarding in the 90s. It has great production value. And... It's kind of slacker if Jonah Hill made it. There you go. That brings us to the Claire Denise film, High Life. Now, this one is, for me, this was when I registered how much I liked R. Pats all the way through. The stuff that R. Pats is capable of doing, that he's able of creating these beyond complex characters that you both hate and adore. He is so unbelievably fabulous in that movie. It's unstoppable. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not the happiest movie in the world. But there is something happy about it. 
it's lovely. It really is. It's about love. It's about love in the face of the ultimate levels of darkness, that love is still there, that when truly everything has fallen beyond apart, you might still fucking feel love, even though you've told yourself you can't. I don't know how much we should spoil about the movie, but it's about a crew of intergalactic, interplanetary explorers who they don't even know what they are. They don't even know that they're not really interplanetary explorers. And our Pats ends up with a daughter that he didn't think he would have a little kid and he has to raise her kind of by himself in the void of space. And he does it and it plays with time and it plays with nonlinear editing and his acting in it is, it's basically just our paths putting on a masterclass. That's my take on to not spoil too much because there's a lot of really good twists in high life as well. And it's, Sci-fi of the weirdest level, but also really beautiful. And I may or may not have just like fucking cried like a fucking goddamn stupid baby when I fucking watched the end of it because it's worth it. It's worth it's worth it. It's worth it. What do you think of High Life, Nick? It is beautiful. And our pet is pretty fucking great in this movie. But I have very different. Hmm perception of the film but i like what you said so we'll leave it at that all right deal i mean i understand there's flaws to it don't get me wrong but i just i feel like it's one of those ones where the stuff that our pats is doing in it slowly you begin to realize that like sure there's lesser actors and lesser concepts in it but it just in the end it's kind of just our pets and it's amazing it's fucking unbelievable and that was what i meant by it was the first time i'd always liked him I liked him when my sister made me go see all the goddamn Twilight movies with her. I I held on to how much I liked our pats in those movies. And this one, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I've never seen anybody put on a masterclass like that. Real fast. Last black man, Francisco. The last black man, San Francisco. The last black man, San Francisco. Yes. Have you seen that? I have. I think the. First 10 minutes of that movie are absolutely spectacular. It's a great movie, but just the skateboarding around uh, San Francisco uh, in the beginning. Also, A24 is a really nice element of uh, period pieces. They really sort of capture things, and they talk about things like gentrification and things like that in ways that other studios just refuse to talk about. And they come out in your local movie theater. And it's a good movie, but I agree. I agree with that element where... I mean, I really liked it. I just think the first 10 minutes are, are spectacular. They really are. They really are. It reminded me of some of the other A24 stuff, like the earlier stuff, where they're throwing stuff at a wall, and it's dramatic, and it's interesting, but I don't know. I need to watch it again. I'll put it that way. What did you think? I just said what I thought. Okay, deal. Next. Okay. Uh, Midsummer. I'm sorry. Ari. Ari again mm-hmm. and doing his Chinatown doing his horror movie that is in broad fucking daylight. That's not even a horror movie. You cowards. It's something else. 
just because this is not your civilization, your civilization is so safe. It's so good. It's so great that everyone's fucking killing themselves and you are willing to accept the idea that they would kill themselves. You just willing not even look into it. And now you've been forced into another civilization that's hidden in the hinterlands of the fucking Scandinavia. And is it bad? Is it scary? Is it wrong? Is it? I fucking, dude, I fucking love Midsummer. I do. And I don't find it scary at all. I just find it fascinating. I've watched Midsummer like five times, and I look for all the weird little pieces he puts in there. It's not even, Hereditary is a ghost story. It has scare. Like, it, it's trying to freak you out. This is literally, like, up to you. Are you scared? Does this bother you? Does this weird you out? I don't know. Because half the civilization you've been forced into is not scared. They are not scared. And none of this is scary to them. Are you scared? Oh, man. I dug the shit out of it. I loved it. Maybe this is what you're supposed to be doing. Also, American tourists are fucking dildos. I also love this movie. I think it's fucking demented. Yes. But it's also just... A masterclass. Everything about this movie is perfect. Yes. All the characters are great. I love watching so many of these fucking college idiots die. This is possibly the best breakup movie ever made. I, I, oh, yes. Florence Pooh or Foo, whatever you say, however you say her mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. She is fantastic. Fantastic in it. I mean, there's so much stuff. I like, I know there's parts of the beginning now that ruin my theory, but do they ruin it all the way of, once you take mushrooms, does your trip get wild? And is the whole movie a trip? I don't know. But also, there's a large element, too, of, like, these asshole American yuppie dildos who are studying other cultures. They're studying. Oh, they're so into studying other cultures. And yet, when they get into an actual other culture that is different than theirs, they behave like dickheads and get themselves killed. You know what I'm saying? Like, how about you actually just embrace it? How about you actually just ride with this? How about you don't piss on the fucking sacred tree, you dumb motherfucker? Like, how about you just not be a shithead? How about you register your own goddamn life? There is so many fucking cool messages in fucking Midsummer that are beyond the idea of what people put them as, as a fucking horror movie. It's insane. It's fucking wild style it might be my favorite a24 movie it might really be like it's fucking rad and like oh no i got fucked by like 15 fucking super hot fucking swedish broads who wanted me to breathe and then i freaked out because my girlfriend like how about you just embrace your life how about you just embrace the world like oh it's wild easily banged one of them i mean they're all naked around i mean it, it creates a whole thing you know what is group sex you know, fair enough. Did you see the farewell? That's it on Midsummer. That's all you got. Yeah, we were wrapping it up. <laughs> no, I did not see the farewell. I saw the farewell. Is it about a goodbye? Sort of. More of a farewell. <sighs> farewell is a really good movie. It wasn't. Yeah, it was, was great. I, honestly, I'm I'm not gonna lie here. This is the first one you've said to me that I honestly don't even remember seeing. Okay. Like, under what what is it? Aquafina is the kid. Mm, mm, okay. Yeah. They go to China. The grandma's dying. Yes. Chinese culture, they don't tell people they're dying. Right. They just go and they go with them and they celebrate their life all together. Right. They don't tell them they're sick because then they act different. And then they miss out on what could be the last moments of their life. Hmm. And this movie is gorgeous and it's really funny and very dramatic. And well, I didn't know that. So now I'm sorry I made fun of it. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's the farewell. All right. Well, then I'll watch that. Two left. Let's do it. The Lighthouse. I'm not going to do the guitar string, but I fucking... I still don't. <laughs> okay, look. Eggers makes the witch, right? Also, beyond fucking cool. He then decides to make the craziest, drunken, buddy comedy that is also a hyper-violent <laughs> horror movie in the history of time. No one's ever made this. It is a genre unto a genre. It is R. Pats and Willem Dafoe becoming different characters at every different scene. You have no idea who they are. Just like the complexity of people, it is fucking wild. There are murderous mermaids who are possibly real who are making them do this. Also, I have learned, never kill a seabird. Never kill a seabird. No matter how much they bitch at you, never kill a seabird. I'm telling you guys now, Blockbuster Film School, beyond the movie, don't kill a seabird. Don't do it, no matter how much they fucking squawk at you. However, that shit, that movie is unbelievable. I bought it. I own it. I have seen it, I think now, like seven times. I am not going to do the Willem Dafoe monologue, no matter how fucking rad it is, how well written it is. It's the monologues in that movie. The bitching in that movie, the complexity of these two characters and the shit that they fucking, that they are sober and they hate each other and then they get drunk and they love each other and they're sober and they hate and they ruin their own lives and they die together and it's fucking, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, I, show me another movie that's like The Lighthouse. I defy you. There's nothing. There's nothing like it. To me, if nothing else, A24 made The Lighthouse. They made that. They did that. They put it in theaters. Arpats and Willem Dafoe did that shit. It's fucking rad. Pretty good hit for fucking A24. Most of the budget was spent just building a lighthouse. Mm. Like, the lighthouse is pretty great. It's pretty great. I mean, the set, like, you know, Eggers doing his weird period piece stuff. You don't know what time period this is exactly. You know it's not now. Or is it? You know, that's the kind of weird bit about Eggers and his sort of weird culture concepts, how... It's kind of like now everybody's up to each other's ass. Everybody's freaking out about everything. Everyone's worried and they're trying to get ahead and trying to have a better job and having trying to have a better thing. And the lighthouse is the spookiest, weirdest shit I've seen in a long time. And I will say it's not really scary. It just reminds me of really old true Walt Disney cartoons that were black and white of like skeletons dancing and like they're spook. And he made a movie. The gothic comedy. Yes, it is. It is. It is a gothic comedy. That is exactly what it is. It would be shown every Christmas at the Adams family. It's just the biz. It's amazing. I'm going to stop gushing now. And I would love to know your opinion, Nick on the lighthouse. I love this movie. It is perfect. When the movie was over, I turned to Aaron Rose. I go, should we go see the next showing? Yes. Yes. I felt the same way. I wanted to see it again. I, it blew my mind. Eggers, congrats. Congrats to me. I, I Congrats to you. Congrats to you. I, to make that movie. To make, to, your second real big feature is The Lighthouse. Is that movie. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And and then it's so simple. It's so simple. It's, I didn't know what thing is this before. I don't know. It has that element. You know what I mean? It has this, I don't want to say Shakespearean 
only in the element of like, this is such a simple story. How did no one think of this before? But yet it's so epic. It's so everywhere. It's so arguing with your friends, arguing with your bosses, arguing with your life, arguing with the world. What is the world? What are your dreams? What is the future? It's amazing. It's un- it's insane. If you're not watching The Lighthouse, you're an idiot. There we go. I said it. There. I said it. It's the last one. Uh-huh. Uncut Gems. The end of the Happy Gilmore saga. Happy Gilmore loses all the golf money. Please don't compare this <laughs> to anything Adam Sandler has ever done before. I love Adam Sandler. I'm, I don't like Adam Sandler at all. I know, but you like this. I love this movie. Really? I was generally upset he didn't get nominated for an Oscar. I never thought I'd say that. I love it. But that. I'm just asking you, please, yeah. after all... All the trolling so far this episode. Oh, don't compare this light troll. to any other tough. Adam I, Sandler movie. I love you. I'll tweak your nipple. I love it. I love you. You don't have to love me. You don't have to tweak yeah. my nipple. You yeah. just have to talk about the movie all right. All right. in like a normal way that you don't turn this into. It's the Safety a, Brothers' best movie in my mind. They smooth out a lot of the notes that it's their good news for people who love bad news. They made something that you can watch. That has all the beats, has all the high speeds that they like, still has their uncomfortable shit, still has their pain, still has their misery, but you're locked in. And it really has their awesome touch of classic Hollywood with their production value and their camera work and their, I mean, just, yeah, no, Uncut Gems is fucking rad. Yeah. More uncomfortable than Good Time. Way more uncomfortable. Interesting. Maybe it's just I have a beef with characters who have disabilities and have, you know, sort of are these weird tragic characters because of flaws inside of them that are not their fault. I don't know. Good time messed with me more because of that. But this, these characters do this shit to themselves. They have acknowledged every goddamn last choice they have fucking made and they have created this fucking world for them fucking selves. That's slightly different to me than all the characters in Good Time. They don't even know what they're doing. Robert Pattinson knows what he's doing. A little bit, but he's also, like, part of the element, that first scene when he goes in, his brother went to get help, right? And he yells at him, half because he doesn't think he needs it, but also because he needs fucking help. He is also fucking crazy. He needs someone to talk to. They both shouldn't be doing any of this. These clowns in Uncut Gems have been making this life, creating this life for themselves. They have done this. They are smart, but smart in a way that has created a prison in their own minds. And so it's easier for me personally to watch. Is You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like... What are your uncut gems hot takes? I would like to know. I don't have any hot takes. No hot takes? No. no. I already said my piece. Do you like um, Adam Sandler's glasses? I think Eric Bogosian's really great in this. I'm happy <laughs> to see him in something. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I like Eric Bogosian. So do I. Yeah. The Safety brothers are great at getting performances out of everybody, though. They really are. Well, he's and, usually good. He's just not in a lot of stuff. I know, but... Like you said, with Sandler and just the Safety Brothers with, like you're saying, they made Robert Pattinson work in a fucking car wash. Yeah. <laughs> like, they create these sort of things, these worlds 
from an acting level that is fascinating, if nothing else. And I, I wasn't bashing on the Safdie brothers before. I just meant, man, like, get ready. Get ready. You want to see some crazy shit? You watch some Safdie brothers movies. Like, prepare yourself. I mean, like, I love Scorsese, but, man, the fucking Irishman, the more and more I think about it, there's a lot of goofy bullshit in that movie. And it starts to worry me a little bit. And I know it's him and all of his old boys. And I know he'll probably make another DiCaprio fucking movie and probably find himself maybe another fucking person who's not a DiCaprio to be in his movies. But the Safety brothers, it's like, they don't care who you are. They don't care what's going on. They'll get a performance out of you that you've never done before. They'll do it. They'll make you do it. And yeah, Uncut Gems is fucking spooky, dude. It's spooky in the sense of what are you willing to do in your life? What are you yourself willing to do in your life? I mean, obviously fucking good time has that, but those are characters who are kind of different than our lives. I'm not going to rob a bank. I'm not going to do it. Uh, federal government, I'm not going to rob a bank. But in this, these are about people who have lives that are maybe a touch closer to our own. I mean... Uh, mine. Listen. You love diamonds. Okay. You work at Sultan's Market. <laughs> What if you need? I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I, Nick? Am I upsetting you? I'm sorry. No. Let's just go to the wall. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall. <laughs> Nicholas, we did our four and five last time. Yep. Which is three? What's your three? My number three is Good Time. Ooh. Do you like our Pat's goatee? You know, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. No. God, he's so... It's weird. You and know, he gets a lot more tolerable when he dyes mm, his hair blonde. Uh, you know what's crazy, too? As much as I love him and I love how crazy he looks and stuff, but he's still very handsome. It's absurd. It's upsetting, almost, how crazily handsome, even when he's... Do you feel this? Can't you feel this? I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, my number three is Hereditary. When Tony Collette shuts off the light, and just for a second, you see a ghost. Or do you? And that's at the very beginning of the movie. That is something I've never seen in a movie, but it's something that every single human being does. <laughs> Whenever they shut off the light into a room that goes completely black, they say, just for a second, did I, did I see something? Did I? No, no, no. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. No, no, no. I didn't see anything. Hereditary. What's your two? My two is Ladybird. If you want to impart something about Ladybird to the Blockbuster Film School audience, what would it be? Ladybird is truly a universal picture. You can show this to anybody mm. and they will get something out of it. I agree. Unless you're my sister. <laughs> nice dig at the end. I appreciate <laughs> Keep trying and trying. Also, probably trying. like as much as I love my mom, like I don't think my mom would like it. I don't know. This is the crazy bit about A twenty four. It's wild. You show everybody. You show all your people the A twenty four movies. You never know which ones are going to fucking connect into it. It's something I like about A twenty four movies. They are not 
they're not crowd pleasers, I suppose, in that in that way where it's not a, you know, it's not Spielberg, you know, who's trying to literally encompass all the audience. It's not Jurassic Park, you know, where you show Jurassic Park to someone and someone doesn't like it. You say, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, I can understand, you know, you didn't connect to it and you have to connect to it. But if you connect into an A24 movie, it really hits you right in your fucking guts. My two is, and I'm going back to back here, it's Midsummer. Midsummer is unbelievable. It is, you've never seen this movie. I know, oh, it's kind of like the Wicker Band, not the bees, but you've never seen this movie. You've never seen Midsummer. I, if you've never seen it, you've never seen Midsummer. You've never seen this. I'm sorry, you haven't. I don't give a shit what movie you think you can compare it to in your mind. You've never fucking seen Midsummer. It's fucking awesome. It's nuts. What's your number one there, pal? 20th Century Women. Mm. I'm going to watch it again because my dear friend has it as his number one A24, a two-parter. I will watch it again. What should I watch for, Nick? Uh, the whole thing. I No. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. My number one is The Lighthouse. I just want to tell everyone, if you get a job and you go and your boss is weird and you have to live in the place where you live and you go up to your bunk and there is a weird scrimshawed, carved out mermaid hidden inside of the mattress... And then when you drunkenly ask your boss, who was the guy who used to live in my bunk? And he says, don't ask about it. Shit's about to get fucking nuts. It's the coolest movie I've seen in ages. It's crazy. Do I like it more than Avengers Endgame? Probably not because of my childhood. Do I think that if someone said, do you want to watch the lighthouse with me or Avengers Endgame, and then I would have to think to myself, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. That's how good fucking A24 movies are. That's how good the lighthouse is. That's how good fucking RPATS is. That shit is fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. And if nothing else, if to goad you into this, just go to YouTube and put in lighthouse, RPATS, or Willem Dafoe monologue. Give yourself a minute and a half of that and you'll have it. There you go. You'll go do it. You'll do it. You'll do it. I didn't think game was that great. Uh, Tef's cut this while I fight him. Hold on. I thought it was amazing. Okay. Captain America has a fucking support group. A fucking lost support group. He lost... He lost the whole damn world, and he's still fucking trying to help people. No, man. No. No. They could make stupid superhero movies. They could do that, but they didn't. They made fucking the most elite-level fucking bunch of fucking shit that culminated in the coolest, highest-grossing thing I've ever fucking seen, and literally fucking goddamn did fucking Robert Downey Jr. have to actually die for our sins, all of us, like Jesus. That's how... Spoiler alert. All right. Um, well, I got my trolling in. <laughs> Listen, everybody. That was A24. Nick, I think it went pretty good. Yeah, it was okay. 
<laughs> Any A24 thoughts before we're done? I hope they can keep it going yeah. until I stop. God damn right. Cats, all the crew, I love it. I'm glad you guys are doing this. Of things that rich people do with their money, a lot of it's just really shitty and lame and that there are some people who are just like, keep making weird shit and putting it out in movie theaters. Even if it loses money, we don't give a fuck. I really appreciate you, A24. I do. And you guys have allowed things to occur and exist that most cinema has not wanted or even fathomed to be put into major movie theaters that I could actually fucking watch. Please rate and subscribe. Please go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Premium, Google Play, whatever you got to do. We love the shit out of you guys. All of our fans who are still actually with us and are fucking on this. It's awesome. I appreciate all the feedback, all the support. Follow us on Instagram, Bonzo with three N's, Sleepy Menthol, and the biggest one, just follow on Instagram, fucking Blockbuster Film School. Nicholas Souter does amazing things with the fucking Instagram page that's blowing my fucking mind. I love it. It's the best follow on Instagram. Fuck you, goddamn teenage stepdad. What I'm saying is I love you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. You guys going to be back next week for the Blockbuster Film School? I think I have an appointment that night. Okay, cool. All right. All right, everybody. I love you. We'll see you next week.